Hello and welcome to another episode of Woke Ass People. My name is Madam Nymphadora, development educator and drag entertainer, and your host of this wonderful conversational series featuring storytellers, advocates, and disruptors. As you may have noticed, throughout this series, we will be covering critical issues facing disproportionately marginalized communities, as well as promoting democratic participation. I'm super excited to share with you this conversation that I had with Rachel Farrell, a wonderful woke-ass person from the Pacific Northwest, shares with us some discussion on voting, the Electoral College, and what it means to be representative of LGBTQ plus community members. Without further ado, I introduce Woke-Ass People with Rachel Farrell. Hello, friends. It's me, Madam Nymphadora, your spiciest credit union queen. I am here joined with the fabulous Rachel. Rachel, where are you joining us from today? Uh, I'm joining you from Eugene, Oregon today, where I'm at. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I, I, I'm going to get a little personal there. So are you, are you born and raised in the state of Oregon? I'm not, actually. Uh, I'm born and raised in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Well, a suburb okay. of Minneapolis, but uh, spent most of my time in Minneapolis growing up. Very cool. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much for joining our conversation today, being one of our wonderful woke-ass people that's having a conversation about democratic participation. Um, you know, preface from the beginning of this, I, I put it out there for listeners, let folks know that we're having this conversation because we're, we have an upcoming election and there's a lot of things at stake. And I think we're going to get into some of those issues throughout the conversation. But um, first and foremost, what can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the voting process in, in Oregon and um, mm -hmm. what folks could do that are listening uh, to be involved? Absolutely. Well, the main thing uh, is our voter registration is on October 13th. That's the deadline for okay. voter registration in the state of Oregon uh, for the election uh, that is forthcoming. Um, the interesting thing is all this talk about mail-in voting and, you know, the how difficult it is and the potential fraud, you know, fake uh, fake information about fraud and mail-in voting because Oregon has been doing it for such a long time. That is how we process our ballots, um, not only just by dropping them in the mail, but by having voter drop-off locations um, for people to drop off their written ballots uh, that they, so the wonderful thing about Oregon is they will send out the voter pamphlet. So for the entire uh, state, it gives you a breakdown of who's running. It gives if they wanted to provide a, a bio about themselves and what their platform is, they got to add that into the voter pamphlet. And then you educate yourself during the voting process. You say, okay, so I've heard about these people. I see their names on this ballot. I have a reference sheet to go back to and say, okay, this is who they are. And I, I see who they're endorsed by or who they're not endorsed by. And I can make a more informed decision that way and vote for the right people that I feel align with my opinions and what I value, at least at the most, 
the most that they can. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, um, definitely. You know, that sounds like a really good, um, a really good way to set voters up for building a plan. You know, we see on social media a lot right now, a lot of folks changing some of their profile filters, um, you know, to include a frame that says build a plan. And, um, you know, for some people, I'll admit, I'll be vulnerable here. I, I was like, well, what sort of plan is there? I know that I'm gonna go vote. So how do we need to create a plan? Um, and, and you highlighted one thing that I think is so important is taking the time to educate yourself mm. and to be what I like to call woke about the situation. So, um, you know, when you're researching candidates and when you're, you know, seeing this information and choose, and I bet some of these mailings have, you know, if you choose to donate and, you know, we're seeing donating to uh, either right now in the presidential election, Trump campaign or Biden campaign. For, for people that are listening, you know, to what would be your perspective on where are those dollars going? If someone's saying, I don't know that I want that money to, I don't they have enough money, or they mm -hmm. might be saying, they, they've got all the money in the world, they're gonna get other donors, what is five bucks gonna do? Does, mm -hmm. does donating really have a big impact on the candidate or, or on the election itself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, and the biggest thing to think about is not so much the presidential election. Uh, I say that not because it's not important, but because the state level and your local government levels are where you see the impact of your dollar the most. So if you're running for the state legislature or even the city council, those people don't get big PAC donors, which a PAC is basically just a big group of people that all pull their money into one place and then spread it out to different candidates. That's what a PAC does on its most basic level. So yeah. these, these people don't have that. They don't have PAC donors that are coming together with thousands and thousands of dollars at a time to donate to them. So if they can't get their message out and get enough support to pay staff, to go and help them build their campaign, they're not gonna get as far as they would like to. It, it seems absurd even to me that money is a factor with winning an election, but these days in our digital era, marketing is huge and marketing is expensive. So your dollar makes a huge impact on a local level. Uh, you see it more frequently. You have that, that's almost casting a vote in a way to say, not only am I willing to cast my vote on the ballot, but I'm casting a vote in my dollars to say, no, this person matters. They need a bigger voice. They're gonna project my voice. And so by giving them money, you're able to help them do that. Um, on a bigger level, you know, it seems a little silly. You go to like the Trump campaign, they're asking for $5. You go to the Biden campaign, they're asking for $5. And you're just like, well, what do I do? At that point, that's another projection of what your voice is to the world. So if you don't want to have your story told in the right way, it'll be affected because they won't be able to pay the staff who are volunteering in your local area, even just to register people to vote. So it's more than just, I'm giving money to them directly but I'm actually paying, I'm helping provide money to their staff and to their marketing message. And how does that align with me? What does that do for me? It's, See, mm -hmm. 
Because a lot of times, I think at the end of the day, um, for if I could speak directly, you know, to LGBTQ individuals, I on a on a break just a little bit ago, I saw, um, you know, today's National Coming Out Day that we're having this conversation. So I'm so happy that we get to do it together. Um, but I saw uh, Biden's campaign share a message through their marketing on that social media. And to your point there, for me, that's representation, that they're using those dollars um, in, in that way that's showing that we we value our voters and, and not just certain people that donate their money uh, for political interests. And it's something that I find so interesting um, in contrast to of how we saw uh, the past couple election cycles leading up and, and speaking strictly presidential elections, um, Bernie Sanders ran a campaign that was solely uh, on dollars that were all of the fundraising dollars were everyday people, not these super PACs that are out there. And, and I think that that itself, you know, that's, that's what turned the volume in a different direction for me when I learned of Bernie's campaign. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those dollars that way, because the money wasn't a, a major super PAC. Mm -hmm. for for private interests um or that or that um that we can say but you know we're talking about being involved in the process and mm -hmm. and volunteering and some things that we know from working in the financial services sector too is that not every american um especially some working class americans that really do live paycheck to paycheck they may not have those extra dollars mm -hmm. that they can donate to these campaigns and when we talk about those campaign dollars going to amplify the message of the candidate, you know, what is just as important, you know, right now door knocking and canvassing in that way is a little bit different because of COVID-19. But what are ways that even as we're, we are just over 20 days uh, up wow. until the election, we've got time and this is a really good home stretch that folks could really get out there and, and make a difference. So what would be your advice to some listeners about getting involved? Yeah, uh, getting involved does not mean you have to put your stamp on volunteering directly into the campaign. Uh, being involved can be just telling your story to your family, telling your story to your friends, telling your story to your colleagues and people you work with. It doesn't even have to be a stab at a political agenda or make the conversation negative. It's just saying, this is who I am and I wanna let, tell you more about me because this election as a person of LGBTQ community, it directly impacts my rights as a human. So by letting people know, it's almost, it's, it's so important for people to understand different perspectives. The only way you can do that is by telling your story and getting comfortable with who you are. Um, so whether you choose to directly go in and go online and, and find out ways you can get connected locally by building your network or, because there are local door knocking, you mentioned door knocking, there are local organizations who are door knocking in a very safe way. Um, I was just watching a newscast, uh, I believe it was through Cheddar uh, newscasting, but they uh, were talking about how this group of people came together and they are, door knocking, wearing masks, stepping back away from doors and, and doing it. So if it's important to you, there are ways for you to do that safely during COVID times. And if that's not something you can do, just talk to your friends, 
get reconnected with your own network and just say, hey, look, I know we may have different opinions about things, but I love you and this is where I'm coming from. That's a really good point. You know, um, I, I, I want to share too, I, my grandma and I have had conversations the last eight years, uh, maybe even 16. Um, you know, I, I initially started that tough conversation with her. Um, you know, being a longtime conservative, and when Obama was up for re-election, um, I said, look, this has a major impact on me. And, uh, you know, I kept hearing, I know, I know, but I had to put into perspective, you know, you've got seven grandchildren. And I said, do you want the same equal access to life and liberty and happiness as as equally all of us and she said yes and that's what's changed and we just talked the other day and um you know she said sometimes I just feel with certain family members you just don't talk about it and um I know that this isn't going to be the best piece of advice for everybody but for me you know I challenged her and I said but I don't think it is because this truly is an election that is very different than anything we have seen before. And, um, you know, not just in, in the 29 years I've been alive and, and been old enough to make these decisions on my own, but in our history books, we see that this is a very rare um, occurrence in election and the handling and behaviors of some. So, uh, you know, I'm curious out there as um, just what could be some of your perspective for individuals who might have ever wavered that line of, well, I don't know quite what I believe or I was raised a certain way. Um, you know, how, how can you, how, how could you, I guess, suggest to some folks to maybe fact check? Well, I mean, the first thing I would do is tell them to fact check. Uh, <laughs> to be to be blunt about it, you know, you you have to put in some work to to give facts and to give your opinion. Um, you know, there's a lot of negative media out there on both sides, um, Republican, Democrat, and even independent right now. Things are all over the place. But so you yourself have to dedicate a little bit of self obligation there. You, you got to do a little fact checking because your conservative family, like my conservative family, they're going to push you. And they're going to be like, who said that? Why are you saying that? Show me the facts. So there's going to be some work there. Now, what you can do is approach it and say, this is who I am. And if you need more information, here are the resources. So you don't have to dig into it with them. Uh, but yeah, you kind of have to take some personal self-accountability there and, and do the work. Uh, so I don't have a lot of advice other than do your best, and yeah. do, but do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that I think we, we can see a lot of young people too, that, um, you know, they're relying on, on some celebrities or some influencers, not so much celebrities that we, that you and I might've grown up seeing on MTV or VH1 as, as celebrities, but we're seeing social media influencers and we've seen it very heavily, you know, YouTube um, moguls and, and in Instagram famous young people that are really, really, really putting some information out there. Now we have TikTok and Twitter and there's just so much out there. And yeah. I guess from, you know, kind of, what do you do with fact checking when you've got some websites that are going to leave some, some bias 
opinions up. Yeah. Wow. Uh, speaking yeah, TikTok. Wow. Uh, what a thing <laughs> that that is still kind of baffling to me. I just got on it to make sure my niece was you know, sewing, figuring out what she's up to, uh, you know, she's 10. So I'm just like, what does a 10 year old mind look like? But when you jump in there, you see, you're right. You see all of this new information coming out and people speaking their truths and what they see. And it's difficult to filter all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, follow them, you know, figure out where they're coming from. What does, what do they do? Um, and what is their history like? uh get in get in there jump in don't necessarily join the conversation unless you have a, a a a true opinion that you can back up i'd say that that's a terrifying place to be right now is is the thread comments but you know i basically don't read them <laughs> so uh i don't read them because i'll take i'll take a lot of things at face value and then if i'm interested in it i'll go look it up so yeah I think that's a really good point to make. And, and you know, you said something that really resonates because I feel the same way that it is our responsibility to know what's at stake. And um, I, I guess maybe just to scratch my own itch question too, because uh, my mom asks me quite a bit. She's she's not someone who's typically voted um, in, in some elections because, you know, when you live in a red state and when you have our electoral college set up the way that it is, you know, I guess my question and, and whether, whether it's opinion, fact, uh, experience, is the electoral college system truly democratic? Ooh, wow. Uh, that's where your local government really comes into play, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have family in Nebraska. I have family in uh, Tennessee and Georgia, you know, and you, I look at where they live and I think I know that their values are true to their faith and what they believe in. And I think, what are they doing on their local level? Um, I know in Nebraska, my uncle is in the city council. He's heavily involved there. And so you have to put in the work and time in the local level to change the electoral college because that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from the higher ups to pick these people. You are picking these people when you vote every day or every, uh, what, every year, basically, there's elections at the local level. Mm -hmm. Just about, don't quote me completely on that, but <laughs> it's around there. <laughs> uh, so those local level elections are what dictates what happens at on your electoral college. It's a trickle up effect <laughs> in this case. So, so, so really everyone needs to be, everyone needs to be woke and aware all the time. They do. As much as I, my personal opinion on electoral college is that it's broken, it, it really is democratic because you have a chance to have a voice at every level of your local government. So you have to kind of be aware of that. And that's something I've learned over the last mm -hmm. several years as I've woken up uh, to this whole idea that like, I may have to go back in the closet. And that is not something I'm interested in doing. I finally figured out myself a little bit more every single day. I feel more confident with who I am every single day. I don't want to go back there. So you have to figure out what that means to you. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that. And, um, you know, a big thing that, that I, I try to be as 
nonpartisan as absolutely possible, not only because of the work that I do, that we both do, that we're, we're passionate about, um, but you know, there's different avenues out there. Being involved in the nonprofit world, the, you know, you, you, there's no political um, affiliation allowed in, in those types of settings. Um, but it's really difficult to not be some sort of partisan when the issues on the table truly and directly impact our lives. And to what you're saying is a lot of us having to make that choice of what happens if SCOTUS does overturn a ruling that they just put in this year mm -hmm. of workforce uh, into discrimination. Yeah. So, you know, what... I don't know that I have the best question to pose at you with this. You know, there's a statistic that one in five LGBT Americans didn't vote in the last election or are not registered to vote. You know, um, I've, I've had a friend tell me before that people, that drag entertainers are really like the, the ambassadors of LGBTQ people um, being out there on the forefront, spreading that. Um, but you know, sometimes I would, I guess a message that I'd like to share and please add on to our LGBT listeners and our, and our allies is mm -hmm. step out of your privilege, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. um, if, if we don't feel that these issues directly impact our neighbors. Um, but um, yeah, you know, is there anything you wanna add on, on what issues are at stake and, and what folks can do? Well, I think you nailed it, uh, you know, the drag community, um, specifically drag queens and transgender people really did. I mean, they were the first ones to really push gay liberation, right? They were the voice, the, they were literally the voice in their bullhorns on the street, um, pushing for change. And because they wanted to be true to themselves and be able to go to work every day and express themselves. They yeah. don't, they're just like, we're normal people. <laughs> we're everyday people. We have opinions, thoughts, creative ideas for the workplace, just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, that's something that I had actually told some of my friends um, in the gym years ago is I'd have these really masculine um, presenting heteronormative cis men, you know, say, oh, I see you have a Hillary shirt on. Um, can we talk about that? Sure. And the argument that I would always, or not so much the argument, the point I would make with these folks is I pay taxes. I am a contributing member to this community, this society. I am no different than you, truly. Um, so imagine though, if you took all of the LGBT individuals out of the workforce entirely, what would our, you know, just a rhetorical question for thinkers to, to listeners to think on and sit on is what would you do, um, you know, if we took this big chunk of the workforce out of it and, you know, how, how would the economy drive itself forward? You know, that's an interesting question, a question that in the credit union world, we ask ourselves a lot, what would happen if we weren't there? Yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I think it'd be detrimental uh, and on a scale that would 
gosh, it's even difficult to even fathom the scale of the impact that it would have. Uh, because I'm sure that even now there are people who are not out. Yeah. And that breaks my heart, but I'm, I'm sure that they're out there. And I just think that if you pull those votes, just like you said, one in five and during Hillary and Trump time in 2016 is just, it feels unacceptable to me. And I'm pretty, I was pretty upset to hear that generally, but I understand it because I've had friends and I did the research and even I was, you know, I was questioning things. I was like, you know, how can I vote for someone that doesn't live up to my values? How can I vote for somebody who supported their spouse through things that were completely detrimental to my community? Not even just my community, but like my city at large, the place I lived and grew up. Um, it was a tough choice even back then. So, but I think now it's not even so much, it's just being united at this point. And that's what this is all about. Be united for what you want right now. <laughs> um, I was just listening to an LGBTQ nation um, talk briefly, actually, just before we jumped on together. And, you know, uh, one of the speakers was just saying, this feels like a lifeline. I'm choosing to vote for for Biden in this case, because it feels like a lifeline. It feels like it could save my life. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do this, that's detrimental to me. So yeah. opposed, opposed to 2016, where we're like, well, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I really don't want this person in office because they don't, they don't follow my values. It's hard to sway your friends mm -hmm. when, when you actually feel they're right. Yeah. <laughs> Just on that note. Uh, that was yeah. No, I guess that leads me to, um, you know, a final question that I have for you is, is in regard to voting um, specifically, what would you tell 18 year old Rachel about voting or being a participant in democracy? Sure. Uh, I would say do more research don't be afraid to be a part of the movement. I, I vote, I was so fortunate that my first vote that I got to cast when I was 18 was for a Barack Obama. You know, that was a wonderful thing for me. Um, so it felt so good to vote for someone who at the time, you know, was really building change and making change. He was so, he's such a, he was such a young president. Um, He's still very young in, in all aspects of things, but like he was ready for change. And that's what we need to do is think about, hey, you 18 year old self, are you ready for change? Are you ready to do that? Because if you're even thinking about it, you should probably just jump in two feet and not be so scared, so. I love that. I love that so, so much. So I hope that all the listeners out there will jump in two feet first and hit the ground running and get out there and vote. There's still time to get registered. Okay. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me today. It has been so much fun having this conversation and you're definitely gonna come back because we have so many other issues. We've got to dive deeper into uh, the LGBTQ spectrum. We need to talk the cannabis movement, regulation, policy, how to advance it. Um, but thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure. 
we'll talk to you soon.